Okay, I am uh, starting a new series today, so um, it's something I've been thinking about for quite some time. Uh, I'm, I remember when I first got started in ministry, I was always looking for something to talk about. <laughs> That's not a problem anymore, as many of you would profess. <laughs> I have no problem talking. I think the biggest challenge actually now is, what is it specifically, Lord, that you want us to go after, and narrowing that down. And so I want to I want to talk about something in Scripture called rest. Um, it was mentioned, Dave shared a little bit about that, and Karen uh, uh, talked about it as well. Just this sense of rest, and we, we forget this sometimes, that there's such a powerful um, foundational principle in Scripture about rest. But I'll bet that you don't completely understand, in many ways, what biblical rest actually looks like. Most of us take our cues, unfortunately, whether it's from the world that we, we, that we live in every single day or even church world, because that has a culture all of its own sometimes. Uh, we take our cues often from those places and often don't go back to Scripture and let Scripture define who we are and what it is that we do. So we use a phrase uh, in Bible college we learned um, uh, called, uh, make sure I get it right, Sorry, I'm blanking on the phrase. Anyway, it was basically uh, doctrinal, how, what you believe and what you think about, um, and then how you actually live out that doctrine and what that looks like. And so I'll think of the phrase in a minute. It'll pop into my head randomly. But, um, but why that's important is so often we don't, uh, we don't ask the question about what we believe, and therefore it, we don't let it define how we live. So if, if what we believe is off, then what we live out of what we believe will actually be off. And so part of discipleship is God co- constantly bringing us into an alignment to understand who he is and what he's like. So um, just to kind of jump us off, obviously we live in a world that's marked by busyness. That's been our culture for a while. Some people with the, you know, with the COVID-19 thing that's going on right now, the virus, some people it actually slowed their world down a bit, um, and other people it actually you know, caused it to speed up quite a bit. And so I'm not sure where you fall on that, but one of the things that you find is that stress, regardless of whether you're working a lot and you're busy, oftentimes the stress of the environment, the world around you, especially in the workplace, really does a number on you. So there's some interesting um, statistics out there. Let me just give you a couple of them. This is from the American Institute of Stress. Um, they report that 120,000 people die every year as a d- direct result of work-related stress. So 120,000 people directly. And then it, uh, it, there's another statistic. Uh, the health care costs are over $190 billion a year just around workplace stress. That's, that's B billion, not M million. That's, that's a whole lot of money, right? Uh, 43% of all adults suffer adverse health effects from stress. So that's probably one out of every, almost one out of every two people are suffering from stress, right? Somewhere between 75 to 90% of all physician office visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. And then this one was interesting. Um, stress is linked, of course, to the six leading causes of death, heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidents, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide. So this is really interesting. I did some research on this, and there was a doctor's group that kind of talked about how to uh, maybe keep stress in check. And so it puts it out there, and these are some great examples but uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to talk a little bit about these, but it's, here's a couple of them. Take care of your health and make time for regular checkups, right? 
So hopefully you can do that. Maybe you can. Exercise, that also takes time. Eat a healthy, well-balanced diet. Some of us don't even know what that is. Uh, get support from friends and family. Some of us don't even have that, right? So like, I don't know who I would get support from. Uh, make a to-do list to get your priorities in order. Some of that, some of you, that creates stress right there, trying to make a to-do list. Not for you, Beth. That would just, that would calm you down. It's like a vacation for you, yeah. <laughs> Inside joke. Um, give breathing exercises a try. Actually, that helps. I have a watch that tells me to do that periodically, and that's helpful. Um, spend some time outdoors for a change of scenery. Try your hand at a new hobby such as running or painting. Running would cause stress for me, so I'm not going to do that one. Um, and, and again, these are all good advice, but it reminds me of one. Of, uh, I had a, a favorite comedian. His name is Sinbad. If you've never watched Sinbad, he's really good. His dad was a pastor, and so he's often in the in the room with him when he's doing his his comedy. So he keeps it clean. He said that's one reason why. I think he has other motives, but anyway, he's he keeps it fairly clean. And he said he went to a, a diet center, and they were going to help him with his diet. And this kind of puts this in context about how you. You know, we kind of know stress works, but we, and we know we need to do something about it, but we often don't. So he said, I went to a diet center, and they gave me a week's worth of meals. And part of that was a bag of chips. And he said, so, you know, I opened the bag of chips, and I ate them all, right? And so he said, so I went back, and I ran out of food after the first day. And he said, I went back to him. <laughs> and he said, I'm out of food. And they're like, that was supposed to last a week. He said, yeah, I know, but it didn't, so can I buy some more food? And they're like, that's not how it works. And he said, well, listen. You gave me a bag of chips. He said, I ate those in like the first 20 seconds. And they're like, those chips are supposed to last you all week. He's like, how in the world are a bag of chips going to last me an entire week? And they said, well, you open the bag and you take out one chip and you eat it. And his response was, if I could take a bag, open it up and eat one chip, I wouldn't be talking to you people. <laughs> and stress is kind of like that. Like we know, we know that it's there. We know there's some challenges. We know, obvious, obviously from statistics, we know it's creating tremendous challenges in our lives. But we often don't know what to do about it. And even if we do know what to do about it, we often feel powerless to actually do anything about it. And, and let me tell you, part of the reason why is because we're doing it wrong. And so I'm going to get into that about why I, I believe that's true and why I believe the Bible teaches us something totally different um, so that obviously we need, we, we need rest, right? So we do things like we'll take a vacation. We'll work, again, just not everybody's like this, but we'll take 50 weeks. We'll work 50 weeks out of the year, and then we'll take two weeks, and we'll just, you know, we'll rest so hard, right? So we work really hard for 50 weeks. We take two weeks, and we're just going to rest. Well, like usually it takes me at least two or three days to come off of, you know, thinking about everything that I've been doing, and then about the time I get into rest, you know, then I've got to travel back home, and so usually the travel, I mean, the vacation is scheduled, you know, there's just, there's more stress sometimes in the vacation than there is in the work, right? At least work is, I know the structure, right, and I'm comfortable with it. Same thing with our, our, our week, you know, we'll go and we'll work hard for, you know, Monday through Friday for most people, and we'll take Saturday, usually we're doing, you know, to-do lists on Saturday, working around the house and what have you, and then Sunday, hopefully, you know, you come to church and you're part of a community, and that's awesome, so we work hard for five days, and then we rest two, we really maybe rest one, and we're, we're okay with that as believers because we know that's kind of biblical anyway, right? The only problem with that is, again, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> and, and one way I know that is the Bible speaks to this in Isaiah 55, 8. I've read this many times. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than you, higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so what God's saying is there's a way that seems right. This is another scripture. The way that seems right to a person 
but the end of that way is death. So let me say that again. There's a way that seems right. So, so this comes into, into relationships. This comes into money. Every aspect of your life, how you do family, how you do work, everything that you do, there's a way that seems right, but the Bible says if you do the way that seems right but isn't right, it will actually lead to death. Death of relationships, uh, death of success, success, death of, of uh, um, uh, basically everything that's good, right? That's what it ends up doing. It ends up killing it. So God's intention, this is God's intention for rest, right? Again, we kind of know this sort of, but we really probably don't. God's intention for mankind was to establish him, mankind, in a continual state of blessing and faithfulness. Uh, sorry, fruitfulness. So he wanted to establish, and this is kind of the big idea of what I'm going to be talking about. When God said, I want you to rest, and I want you to understand rest, there's an intention behind rest. And we're going to get into discovering the Sabbath in just a second, what the word Sabbath really means. But the whole idea behind rest was not something that you do because you worked really hard, and then you do that, and you try to catch up. The whole intent from rest was so that you would be in a state, not not you would just get it every once in a while, but you would literally be in a state of continual blessing and continual fruitfulness. And so we're going to jump into that. So the Hebrew word is called Shabbat. Most of you guys have heard this before. But it's the same basic word for Sabbath, the word rest, and the word seven. And you see the word seven showing up a whole lot in the Bible. We're not going to get into, some, into a lot of that. But basically, wherever it's used, you see Sabbath, you see rest, you see seven. There's a whisper in all of those of the meaning behind the very basic word, which is rest. And that's the primary, primary really indication for all of these words is rest. But again, what you're thinking about rest in a worldly mindset of rest, maybe even a church mindset of rest, may not be the same thing as what God intended. So let me start with what's called the law of first mention, because this is really helpful. The law of first mention um, is basically the idea that if you're, un- if you're going to understand any verse in Scripture, a concept or a topic, it's aided by considering the first time this topic or, or, or you know, precedent, whatever, shows in, up in Scripture. And so you see this as an example. Uh, Matthew 19, Jesus is asked about marriage, and he goes back to Genesis, and he talks about the first time marriage was presented in Scripture. Right? You see it also in, um, uh, in Hebrews you see it in Hebrews where uh, uh, they're talking about, uh, the writer of he- Hebrews is talking about Melchizedek's priesthood, and he takes him back to Genesis chapter 14, and he actually speaks to it from the Bible, right? So you got a New Testament talking, the New Testament talking about a concept, and to explain the concept, it goes back to the first mention. So it's a very important thing. So how does this apply to the concept of rest? So this is Genesis 2. Uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, and this is the first time that this actually shows up in Scripture. It says, the heavens and the earth, this is Genesis 2, 1, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Completed is an important word, we're going to come back to that. By the seventh day, that's the Sabbath again, God had finished, we're going to come back to that word, the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. It wasn't holy before, but he made it holy. He blessed it, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, here's the important thing. Do you think God rested because he was tired? <laughs> right? And see, that's why it's important to read Scripture slowly. I, I do, I was so, I'm so guilty of this. I'll read Scripture so fast, right? And, I'll, and sometimes there are massive concepts in one 
portion of Scripture. Like the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. And there is so much information in that one passage, if you're not careful, you'll miss the, 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 uh, the subtleties of it. And the same thing is true here. This is what Scripture said again. On, um, he, the heavens and the earth were completed, right? And then it says, and he finished it. So he, he rests on the seventh day, not because he's tired, because he's worn out or exhausted, but because he's finished with what he intended to do. That's going to come back in, 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 in a different way in just a, section, in just a second. But this satisfaction in a completed work is how God rested. So think about in, that in terms of how we rest oftentimes. Are we resting because we're exhausted and tired, which is true most of the time, right? Because we burn uh, the candle on both ends in the middle, in the middle of a dumpster fire, which is what 2020 feels like right now, right? <laughs> so, so that's what we do, and then we're like, oh, I'm so exhausted, and so I finally get to rest, and I collapse. Um, if you're like most people, you'll, what you'll do is you'll, you'll, you'll turn on the tube, right, and you'll veg, right? We use that word. I'm going to veg for a minute, right? So I'm just, I want to go into a comatose state, right? Because I've got so much responsibility and so much stress, what I'm trying to do is just let go of that and just get it out of my head, right? And that's often how we think about rest. That is not what God did in the first mention of rest. He finished something he intended to do, and then he rested, right? Not because he was tired, not because he was exhausted, but because he had finished something he intended to do. Super important. All right, so let's, uh, let's jump into kind of the first concept that I want to talk about today, and that's this. Rest is not passive. So it's helpful to understand this because, again, if, if we're not careful, we buy into the culture's definition of something in Scripture. And so every time, listen, every time we read that in the Bible then, what we do is we take the definition and the meaning that the world has given it to, given it to me, and I, I use that to, and I read that definition into Scripture when it's actually talking about something totally different. So this is really helpful as a disciple, as you're learning and growing as a disciple. So uh, rest is not passive. In Genesis chapter 1, God had just made everything, and he said it was good. We've been reading to, to our nephews. They've been in town this week. We've been reading the, the storybook Bible um, in the evenings. And Karen, if you've never heard Karen read the storybook Bible, you, you want to sign up for that small group. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> and so one of the things we just talked about was the beginning. This last week we read about Genesis and how he made everything, and it was good. And then he made people, and it was, do you guys remember very good, right? And so we talked about how important people are to God. So he just finished making all the things, right? The trees and the plants and the, you know, and uh, light and darkness and all. I mean, all these things were here. And then the Bible says, then he makes mankind. So I'm going to pick it up in chapter 1. This is a little bit before the verses I just read. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, 26, verse 26, 26. It says this, then God said, let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may, listen, rule. This is an action verb. They may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. By the way, another first mention. <laughs> Verse 28 says, God blessed them and he said to them. So listen, God blessed them. So he creates mankind. He blesses them. And there, here's a clue to grace. He blessed them, first mention, before they ever did anything. Right? So this is before sin. So God makes humanity, and he blesses them. Listen to what he says. He blesses them, and he says to them, he gives them a command. 
No sin, nothing to get in the way. He starts with the place of blessing and then immediately gives them a command, and this is the command. Be fruitful. Now, we've turned that into just have babies, but that's not what that meant. That's part of it, but it's not, that's not the only thing that he meant. He says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it, right? Then he says this, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good, right? Because he just made mankind. And there was evening, and this is important, there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Not there was morning and then there was evening. Listen to it. There was evening and then there was morning on the sixth day. And then verse 1 of the next chapter, thus the heavens and the earth were completed. We just read this a second ago. In all their vast array, by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. So again, when we read that, we read into that he was tired and he needed a break. <laughs> right? But that's not what happened. He rested because he had an intention. He completed it. He finished it. He was satisfied with it. And because of that, he rested. Part of the rest was not, again, sometimes we think about rest, and rightfully so, because we do get tired, right? We think about rest as an escape from what we've been doing. But if you think of rest, because we put it on the end of the thing we've been doing, what God is trying to show us is that rest is not supposed to go on the end of anything. It's actually supposed to go on the beginning. So rest came before fruitfulness. Let me say that again. Rest came before fruitfulness, not afterwards. So there's a cycle, there's a pattern, there's a rhythm here. And what's happened is over the years and over time, we've let the world creep in, let the enemy begin to define what rest looks like in our lives, and that we, we've started putting it instead of on the front side where it belongs, right? We put it on the back side where it does not belong. So he told them to be fruitful, but on the first full day of existence for this new humanity, Adam and Eve, God rested. And listen to this, all of creation took a well-deserved break in activity. They'd just been created, so they just started to exist, and God gave them a break. <laughs> From identity, immediate rest, right? And this is what, it's what happens next. is really fascinating. The, our first full day as humanity was a day of rest. Now, remember, he created them. He said to them, be fruitful, rule, rule subdue. I've given you a job to do, right? This is what you're going to do. This is the role that you're going to play on this planet. You're going to lead creation. You are going to stand in front. You're going to be a representative of me, right? And if you remember, he gave Adam, one of the things that he gave Adam was the ability to define. He brought all the animals in front of him and said, you get to tell these animals who they are and what they do. You get to define. You get to define your kids. You get to define the culture. You as a believer, you, according to Scripture, before sin came in, part of the role of humanity was to define, right? And part of that definition was the first thing that you did was you spent the day with God. Think about that for a second, 
right? God gives you this command. He says, this is what I'm after. This is what I want to do in you. And now I want you to sit here with me. And it turns out that they didn't even sit because the Bible goes on and it speaks to it. The regular occurrence, according to the indication from the Scripture in Genesis, was that he would walk with them every day in the cool of the day. He would come to them in the cool of the day. So they've been given a task. Adam's been given the task of, 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 of cultivating the garden, right? Defining everything, sustaining it, and growing it, producing fruitfulness. The whole idea was fruitfulness. Blessing and fruitfulness was his. Because remember when sin comes, part of what happened is the only way fruitfulness was going to come was through the sweat of your brow. And in this process of sin is what screwed most, us, most of us up in our thinking about rest. Because in our old mindset, everything came from the sweat of our brow. But in this new, <clears throat> excuse me, this new way of living, this new way of the cross, this new way of life in Jesus, it turns out that rest becomes before the work. Right? Remember, Jesus said this on a regular basis. He said, I don't do anything until what happened first? I walked with the Father in the cool of the day, and I spent that time with him. It was his common practice. He rested before he did things. He sat in the presence and really probably didn't even sit. But again, there was movement. It's not like you just have to be still. It's fine if you want to do that. I like to lay in a hammock. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But what I'm saying is that if you don't begin the process of your life with rest and time with God, you are going to set yourself up in a pattern that is never-ending and never good. Right? And so, rest came before fruitfulness. This is another way to put it. We work from rest, not rest from work. So this is a discipleship, a truth about discipleship in a rhythm of life that you work from rest, you don't rest from work. How do you know you're resting from work? Talked about it before. All the things that, you know, the physical things, what will happen oftentimes is you'll start getting super irritated very easily irritated, you'll lose focus, which is a whole thing we just talked about for the last four weeks, right? You'll, you'll lose all of that. Why? Because when, when your physical body and your mind is, is so overwhelmed, then you, run, you, you just run out of energy. You don't have the energy to do it. So where, do, where does that energy supposed to come from? Ideally, what's supposed to happen is you rest in the presence of your God, right? Like Adam, you walk with God in the cool of the day, you glean from him. God has created with you, he created you. He has given you something to do. Part of what Scripture says, the role of the leaders in church, the Bible says, is to equip you for the work of the ministry, right? But you know what we often do? What we often do in church is we, we get you to work, right? And we wear you completely out, and then when we're finished with you, we just find a new person who doesn't understand the process yet, right? And that's uh, sad, but that was, I mean, for most of the time I was in ministry, that's what we, about every six months, and kids' church is the perfect one, right? That's the, that's, because they'll wear you out faster. I, I have some experience from this week with my nephews. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of energy. Thank God we didn't give them any sugar this whole time. I would have been ten times worse, right? But what do we do? We, we incorporate people into the ministry. We say, hey, do these things, do all these things. We wear them out, and then they eventually get exhausted. Why? Because we're trying to get them to to rest from their work rather than work from their rest. So what if we started out with the way God did with, with vision? What if you're not supposed to be in, involved in kids' ministry? Then all of the energy in the world is not going to help you at all. 
they will suck the life out of you and spit it back on you for good measure, right? But I know people who live for that. They love being with kids. They love speaking into the life of a child. They, they love helping disciple them and grow them up. There's something that creates a spark inside them. Why? Because they, were, they walked with God in the cool of the day, and the Lord said, you know how I've made you? I've made you to love kids. And I'm not talking about parenting. This is a whole other thing, right? I've called you to love kids and pour your life out to them. Part of what God's called me to do is le- this leadership role. I, when I'm in a leadership role, it, in, it, it invigorates me, it charges my batteries, and what I learn is that God has given me an intentional design, and if I do that, I'm happy, I'm fulfilled. And then when I rest, I, the Bible talks about the, the, you know, the sleep of a laboring man is, is sweet. There's something about when you've done something that satisfies your soul, that, it, that builds into the way God designed you and made you and the word that he's given you specifically. Adam, I want you to do this. Not that, this, right? Let's, I'm going to create somebody else to do this thing over here. I've designed you to do this. And when we find that, when we come into the presence of God, we just determine who God made us to be. We let God first define us before we do anything, right? How did he define the? I made them. I loved them. What does he say? Everything else I made was good. I made you guys, and it was very good, right? Why? Because we're the crowning achievement. That's how God designed it. And in you, in us, as the people of God, he's designed you specifically. He's given you certain giftings and callings and passions. He's given you a certain kind of temperament. There are certain skill sets that you are good at. There are certain skill sets that are easier for you to learn than others. doesn't mean that we all have to learn how to do certain things and we all have to take the garbage out, right? That's not a gift from heaven. That's just something that needs to get done. But 80 to 90% of your life, if you can find out from resting with God, from coming into the presence of God, from finding peace and rest in Him, which is what God has given us after the fall in Christ, right? We had it before in Genesis, and then the fall came, and we lost it all. And what did the Bible say? All of a sudden, rest doesn't work the same way, does it? Now it's exhaustion, and it's the sweat of the brow, right? It's pain in childbirth. Now fruitfulness hurts you. Think about that. But in Jesus, what he came to do is he, he's in a garden too, right? And his obedience in that garden cancels the disobedience of Adam in this other garden. And he brings what God's intention was on the front side all the way back to perfection. And if we find ourselves in him, if we believe in Christ, you hear all these Christian phrases, but if you place your trust in Christ, what you're saying is, I'm coming back to center. I'm coming back to the design that God created. And that's this, that relationship with God has to be on God's terms, not mine. Fascinating, we're going to get into some of this, but it's fascinating about the priests. They were supposed to wear certain kind of garments that would, that, um, that would keep them from sweating. The whole idea was in the presence of God, you could not perspire. Why? Because it was, it was hearkening back to the original intent that God's intent was what labor is supposed to look like, what, what, what work is supposed to look like is it's supposed to be blessing and fruitfulness. Michael, uh, Michael Jordan said, um, if you find out, he, he's quoting somebody else, but he said, if you find something you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. Now, I watched him practice. I don't know anybody who worked harder than him, right? 
you'd notice that about you know sport people who are in sports people who are at the top of their game usually they're not at the top of their game because their mama made them do it <laughs> right <laughs> they're probably at the top of their game because their mama made them do it and they discovered that that's who they were made to be and they love it and they they wouldn't do anything else if they could Something powerful about that. So what God's trying to bring us back to is if we can find that place of rest, if we can find that place where rest is actually the starting point, not the ending point, that we can come into the presence of God. If we're not careful, we, get, we buy into a cultural lie. We buy even into a church lie. So we come in and we work our hardest. Uh, I remember being on a mission trip, and one of the leaders told me that he was struggling desperately because his, his leaders had told him, you must work harder, brother. That was the phrase, and it's stuck in my head, and I've never been able to forget it. This guy had a, 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 a child at risk, uh, not at risk, but a, um, a child with special needs. I mean, there was a hundred things going on. The economy was bust. There'd just been a war, there's recovery, all these kind of things. And, and he was working harder than anybody I know. And, and the, the religious people came and put that, and this is what they do. You see this with Jesus and the religious people come and they put this burden on you. You must work harder, brother. That's not at all what God did. God said, you must be who I made you to be. And it turns out if you do that, if you discover that, if you discover rest and peace in me, in my relationship with you, if you will come and rest with me first and then create a rhythm now in your life, and and we're going to talk about that as we move forward, how rhythms can look, what they look like on a yearly basis. There are seasons we talk about. There's weekly rhythms. I read my Bible typically before I do anything else in the morning, right? Why do I do that? I don't want the news to set the tone for my day. I don't want that, right? I don't want work. I don't open my, my you know, iPad and look at my emails. I don't want work to set the tone of my day. And I have discovered this. Every single time I do this, every single time bar nine, I read Scripture when I read Scripture in that morning, there is a revelation that comes that speaks to me oftentimes in the moment, but definitely during the day and every single time during the week. And it's something that speaks to the life that's in me. And so many times, something I've read in the last couple of days, I'm sitting across from somebody and I'm talking about the life that's in them and how God wants to help them and bring them into holiness and bring them into alignment. And almost every single time, something I've read God reminds me, he said, I I gave you that. So what happened? I get an investment into me first, right? Remember the scripture says, love God, uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? And that's actually under the law, if you can imagine. But the idea behind that was this thing we're talking about, to love God first, to recognize that everything else comes second to the one who made you and the one who delights in you who can't wait to be with you. He's waiting right now. If you haven't been with him, he's waiting. And some of us, we think, well, my sin's in the way. No, it's not. Not anymore. Not because of what Jesus did. He took all that out of the way. That's up to you to decide whether you're going to place your trust in Christ and let that sin be taken away or if you carry it for yourself. But at the end of the day, If you come into that place of rest and you come into that place of purpose, that place of identity, he wants to define you. And we we talk about this all the time here. He wants to define you as a son and not a servant, right? So do you think sons need rest? Of course. But what does a son's week look like versus a servant? The son is with the father. He gets the information. He knows what needs to be done 
in the property, in the business, on the ranch, however you want to use the example. And then it comes to the servant last. And the servant is always behind the eight ball. So if you're thinking of God in terms of servant mentality, if you're thinking of rest in terms of I'm exhausted, I'm tired, there's good news for you. You don't ever have to be that way again. God wants to come to you. He wants to to come into a place with you where you come into alignment with him. And when you do, what begins to happen is all the things that you ought not be doing, he will help remove those from your life. We, Karen and I do this on a regular basis. We're talking with people, and we'll tell them, do you know property, we talk about this all the time about, about boundaries, right? Emotional, mental, spiritual boundaries, physical boundaries even. Boundaries you think of as fences. And so often, our fences are so far out, they include everybody else's business, and, and we hardly ever get to take care of our own. But if you understand this scripturally, what will happen is as you come into alignment with God, as you rest in Him first and hear Him and listen to His voice and be in relationship with Him, there are going to be relationships where He's going to say, you know what, I never called you to that. That pressure you're feeling because of that, that was never me. Why don't you just lay that down? Why don't you let go of that? You're, you're exhausted from that relationship because I never called you to do that work. That's not what I called you to do. Exhausted from some place that you're working. Now, don't get me wrong, don't just go quit a job. That's probably not super smart because then we all have to help take care of you. Because you were, what's the word? Impetuous, is that the word? <laughs> Which is what children do, right? So don't do that. But if you, are, if, you, if you are not finding fulfillment and satisfaction in your work, then maybe you need to come, just take a step back and say, you know what, I'm going to spend time with the Lord and I'm going to let Him talk to me about what my life is supposed to be like relationships, church, whatever that is, I'm going to come back to center and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to rest in you and I'm going to let fruitfulness, that his design for me was a state of fruitfulness, right, and blessing. His intention in the Sabbath, when he created the Sabbath, was not a moment of rest. Hear me. It was not rest and then a ton of work. It was not, you know, 50. 50 weeks and then two weeks vacation. Five days and then two days. It was never that. It was a rhythm of start with rest, six days you labor. Start with rest, six days you labor. And if you can grab hold of that, what begins to happen is all of the things that are sucking the life out of you, all the stress-related stuff begins to fall by the wayside. You know why? He'll talk to you about the way you're eating. He'll talk to you about... Nutrition, he'll talk to you about exercise. He'll talk to you about all those things, but he won't do it in guilt, shame, and condemnation. He'll do it because he'll remind you, if you're going to do this well, these things have to be in alignment. If you want, a part of that is I, I want to do that. I want to live a long life. Why? Because I, have, I feel like I have a lot to give the Lord. One of the things that happened when we prayed when I got super sick a couple years ago, we prayed because I didn't feel like I was finished, Right? So that caused us to pray according to God's will because we rested in Him and said, Lord, if you're done with me, um, then you're done with me. I mean, quite frankly, I think heaven would be a whole lot better than this place anyway, right? (laughs) And that's true in so many ways. But the Lord's like, I'm not finished. So no matter how old you are, how young you are, how sick you are, how you feel like you don't meet the standards or a hundred other reasons why you have disqualified yourself, remember that the Lord, especially in who Christ is and what he did for us, has qualified every single one of us. And the part of the way you find that out is to rest in him and from that place of rest 
Discover what, God it is, what it is that God has called you to be first and to do second. And then just get busy doing it. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I'm hoping this series will help. Again, the big, one of the big ideas is that uh, God wants us in a state of blessing and uh, fruitfulness. And if, if we're not careful, we'll forget that, we'll miss it, and we'll get caught up in everything that just steals our attention and, you know, and stresses the living daylights out of us, and we're going to become, you know, we're going to leave too soon, get there too early, right? God's going to be like, what are, you, what are you doing up here so soon? You had 20 more years of life. I'm like, yeah, but I screwed that up royally. You know, maybe you could send me back, <laughs> right? So maybe don't ever have to have that conversation with the Lord, right? When you get there, let it be on time, right? <laughs> not early, right? So let me pray for us. Jesus, we just say thank you. God, thank you that you, you long to challenge us and teach us. But, Lord, your intention in every challenge is to bring fu- fruitfulness and blessing into our life. Your intention, Lord, was never for us to live in guilt, shame, condemnation, fear, or any of those things. Lord, your intention was to walk with us in the cool of the day. Your intention was to give us rest long before we ever did any work. And so, Lord, will you help us to understand that through this series that you want us in a state of blessing and fruitfulness. And if we hear your voice, if we align ourselves with your call, if we're obedient to the heavenly vision, Lord, we will see that come to pass. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we would love to pray for you. Uh, As everyone else is kind of making their way out of the building, if you would just kind of sit where you are in your seat, uh, we will send a leader over or come over and, and pray with you. Otherwise, have a wonderful, wonderful week.